Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. Hope everyone's had a lovely week. It has been so much, so much has been going on with Bravo. I'm just loving it. I love that a bunch of the seasons are wrapping up and we're going to get some great reunions. I love that, you know, New York is coming back soon. Beverly Hills is coming back soon. And this week we heard Potomac is returning this summer. And y'all know how much I love the Real Housewives of Potomac. I was actually really stressed out one night this week and I couldn't sleep. It was like 3.30 in the morning and I went back and I started watching season one of The Real Housewives of Potomac. And I don't think I watched like the full season. I think I watched parts of it. So I don't remember it all that well. And I totally forgot that Katie um, Roast is Jewish and that she did this baby naming uh, for her children where they get their Hebrew names. And it was just really interesting to see the other women's reactions, especially Giselle, who was saying, you know, you're black, like you can't be Jewish and black. And she is definitely wrong about that. And so Giselle, if you're listening, you have a lot of education to do around the fact that there are many black Jews. And no, the white Jews like me who see black Jews at synagogue are not judging them and thinking they don't belong. Anyways, had to get that out of the way. But speaking of baby namings, a lot of you explained to me what a baby blessing was. And I thank you all so much for that because I was really confused by everything Drew was saying about a baby blessing and then the prophet. And I heard from a lot of you, some people said there's no such thing as prophets in Christianity. Some said, oh, there are prophets, there are modern day prophets, or there are people who prophesize. And so um, it was really interesting hearing from everyone about this. I feel like I learned a lot. But everything I initially felt watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta definitely still is true. I feel like Drew has a lot of internalized misogyny and is blaming LaToya for an affair that she may or may not have had with someone who she calls the prophet. And I think it's unfair to blame just one person that when it took two people. And it's also really not her business. It was also so hilarious and hypocritical to see Kenya called Drew a narc <laughs> this week after all that Kenya had said around Portia and Bolo. Oh my God, these women, you know, the lack of self-awareness. I wish I lacked that much self-awareness. I feel like existence would be a little bit easier. I'm always overthinking everything. Did I offend that person? Should I have said this? Should I have said that a different way? What do they think of me? And like these women just, I don't know, they just throw it all out there. They live out loud and they don't worry about it. And I, that's why I love the housewives. And I am so excited to hear that the Housewives All-Stars are filming this coming week. They're going to be in Turks and Caicos, and it sounds like there are going to be seven Housewives, and it's going to be a four-part series, and one housewife may join halfway through, and I'm not sure if that's going to be a current housewife or a former housewife, but the seven that have been leaked are Luann and Ramona, Melissa, Teresa, Kyle, Cynthia, and Kenya. 
And I'm just really excited for this. I love all the new content. I'm also excited to see Winter House, although I wish they wouldn't have given just a 12 second snippet. I'm not, I'm not about that. I want to see a full trailer or nothing at all. Just give me a date, tell me when it's happening, and I will have my TV on and wine in hand. Okay, I have something else to confess to you. So you all know that I have been on a married to medicine journey, right? I started a couple months ago. I've powered through the first four seasons and I just got to season five and I haven't really read any spoilers. I haven't been going on Google or on any of their Instagram pages. I'm not trying to figure out kind of what happens with the different seasons and the plots and the storylines before I watch them back, right? So I had no idea that Curtis cheated on Dr. Jackie. And I was so, so upset watching the first episode of season five. I I was so shocked. And I know all of you were like, that was three years ago. But it felt like it just happened. And oh, I don't know. I might need some of you all to prepare me for, for future really crazy storylines that come up because I don't know if I could handle another shock like that. It reminds me of, you know, my friend I had on, Katie, uh, last episode. So she doesn't watch the news. She is a school teacher and she handles a lot of really stressful situations at school and some other stuff. And she's just like, I can't handle any other negative energy or bad stories, right? I see things that happen that are pretty awful every day and I don't need to watch it on TV. So she never watches the news. And as a result, sometimes she misses some like pretty big things that happen. Like she didn't know when Donald Trump <laughs> had COVID. <laughs> and she told me like a week later, like I heard the president had COVID. But she completely missed that Whitney Houston died, right? And five years after Whitney Houston had died, we were somewhere and a Whitney Houston song came on and she's like, you know, next time she comes to DC, we should go see her. <laughs> I was like, wait. Katie, I have to tell you, like, she's no longer with us. And Katie, like, was so heartbroken to hear what happened. And that's how I felt watching Jackie and Curtis on Married to Medicine. I know you all know that it happened, but I am just finding out. Also this week, I was on Clubhouse, and it was Shira Weiss, Ryan Bailey, and Jeff Epstein were having this chat. And a lovely woman from Sweden came on, La Camila, and she's so lovely. And afterwards, Jeff and I were like, we need to find her. And so, Camila, if you've been listening, I have been trying to find you on Instagram, and so has Jeff, and we can't find you. So please DM one of us. We want to chat with you. We were very intrigued that you were up at 4.30 in the morning listening to this clubhouse, and you were amazing and iconic and hilarious. So please reach out. And the same goes for anyone else listening. My DMs are open. I've been hearing from a lot more of you lately, and I absolutely love it. So be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker and send me a message. All right. Before we get into this week's episode with Diana Jebia, I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, what's going on in our country and the verdict in the Derek Chauvin case. Obviously, I'm very relieved that he was found guilty of murdering George Floyd. Many of you know, I grew up outside of Minneapolis. Minneapolis 
holds a special place in my heart. But even as I heard the verdict being read, yes, I felt some relief, but I also felt this sense of like helplessness. Like, what can I do as an individual to try and contribute to the betterment of our society, right? And just as I'm feeling this way, Chelsea at Ono Bravo and Sasha Morfa, the Bravo Breakdown, decided to have this fundraiser, um, and they were raising money for the Loveland Foundation. The foundation is committed to showing up for communities of color in unique and powerful ways with a particular focus on black women and girls. And they have a therapy fund that provides financial assistance to black women and girls seeking therapy. And so far, Sasha and Chelsea have raised over $5,000, and I highly encourage you all to, if you're able, to contribute. You can go to at Ono Bravo on Instagram, and she has a post, and you can actually click on it, and it directs you to the Loveland Foundation to make a contribution. The donations are being collected through the end of April for this particular fundraiser, but you can contribute to the Loveland Foundation at any time, and I will put the links in the show notes. All right. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to go and give me a nice review. If you don't like it or if there's something you're not cool with, you know, my DMs are always open. But really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and for supporting it. It means a lot. Uh, All right, guys. Without further ado, here is my chat with Diana Jebia. Hope you all enjoy and have a wonderful week. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Diana Jebia. She is a host, a voiceover artist, a reality TV blogger, and a brand new Pava, uh, Bravo podcast host, Bravo Besties. Welcome to the podcast, family. How are you doing, Diana? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally like be hanging with you. Because this has been planned for so long. We're always in each other's DMs and like... You're such a ray of light. I'm so excited. (laughs) You are such a ray of light. You're so positive with everything and everyone. And I'm so jealous that you live in LA because in my mind, it's like always sunny. It's so glamorous. You know, it's just everyone hangs out with everyone and runs into celebrities. And it just seems so fun. Yeah. Oh my God. You would appreciate this. So one day I was at the Grove, right? And whenever you see a celebrity, like you kind of have to, it's like, okay, where do I know them? It's like, right. is this my friend's mom? Like, what is this? And it was the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. <gasps> oh my God. If I ran into Faye Resnick anywhere, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could stop myself. I like tried to sneak a picture of her and then her man saw me. So I was just like, bloop, and moved the other way. I'm like, never mind. I'm not going to risk it for the biscuit. That's <laughs> so funny. I mean, sometimes I'll see people in DC that I'm like, I think I know you, but I don't know where from. And it'll be like Chris Matthews mm-hmm. from MSNBC. <laughs> it's like, 
not. We our first one was Chris Noth, and my dad is a big Law and Order fan. So my dad moved me out here, stayed with me, got me settled, and then went back home. But we were in Ralph's, which is the grocery store here, and I'm like, again, I'm like, where do I know this guy? Um, and my dad like had this like frozen look on his face, and then I was like, oh, that's Mr. Big. My dad like starts running over, and he's like, Chris Noth, and I'm like, no, we don't, d- Dad, we don't do that here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he so went because it was so awkward. I'm like, this man's just trying to buy his dairy. <laughs> oh my gosh. So where is home? Where did you move from? Yeah, I grew up in Staten Island and now my family's out in Jersey. So East nice. Coast girl. East yeah. Coast. I love New York City. Yeah. Um, it was funny because everyone, so like growing up in Staten Island, like the big move for everyone is like, I want to work in the city, like, well, the city's Manhattan. And then I, I always knew I wanted to be in LA. Like I was the odd person out. So, but I love, I have a newfound appreciation for New York. I want to say like, every time I go back, I'm like, I miss the Italian food. Um, just the hustle of that city. People in LA, they say they're uh, nice, but not kind. And New Yorkers are kind, but not nice. And I kind of appreciate that more like, we'll flip you off as we cut you off. But like, if something happens to you, we got your back in two seconds. And like, you got to use your feelers out in LA with people more. Yeah, I think there'd be a little bit more like fake niceness, where people act like they're interested in you, but really aren't. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm from Minnesota originally. And there's definitely a lot of, you know, niceness, but some of it's also just passive aggressiveness where people don't want to ever make anyone uncomfortable. So they'll just avoid something or like subtly. Yeah. So (laughs) everyone's ghosting everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know so much about pop culture. So I was wondering if there were any big pop culture topics that we would chat about before we get into Bravo. And I was thinking like this big thing with Demi Lovato that's been happening. Catch me it. Like, what did she do? We are on the same page. So basically she is quote calling out. I, I use that in quotes. Um, this place called the big chill. They're a frozen yogurt shop here in LA. Um, and like as most frozen yogurt places do, they have diet ops. Well, Diet meaning like what you intake, not like diet, lose weight. Um, So like sugar free, like dairy free options for people who obviously can't have those. And of course, like Demi went through an eating disorder. We have so much respect for her journey and her growth. But this was triggering for her because she's saying she's looking at it as a they want us to restrict our calories. And that's why these options are available. And it hurt her, which that's fair, but she kind of blew them up on Instagram um, and was attacking them and being like, you need to change your labels. Lots of harsh DMs back and forth. And she just, she tried to turn everyone against this frozen yogurt place, which like we just came, I don't want to say we came out of the pandemic. We're in the midst of coming out of a pandemic. LA has been hit so hard. Like we had to lock down twice. Mm -hmm. So businesses are just opening and closing and opening and closing. And they probably lost enough money. So to to now have this celebrity with a very loyal fan base come for you because you're just trying to provide diet options for people whose bodies can't regulate sugar the way other people can, or maybe can't handle dairy the way other people can. It's just been a mess. So I actually want to I want to go to that shop. I want to try and go either today or tomorrow or maybe the following weekend and just show them some support because I mean, it's 
we were kind of talking about this earlier. Two things can be valid. Demi's, yep. of course, her struggles are valid, but it's all about how you handle things. And I just don't think coming after this, this small business was really the right move. I feel like Demi Lovato has lost the plot. Like, she's yeah. just not with it. It's like... And I don't know (laughs) if it's just like celebrity culture. I mean, watching Mm. her documentary, the most painful part or the most shocking part was this poor assistant who I don't think they spent enough time interviewing, who found her lifeless body and had to call the security guard before even calling 911 and then like hesitated to call 911 and then told 911 don't have sirens on. It's right. like you think that everything is special for these like celebrities, but it doesn't matter if you're famous or if you're not famous. If someone is having trouble breathing and they need medics, yeah. the sirens will be on. It's not up for debate. It's not something you 100%. can request. It's not like getting a special table at a club. It's just yeah. so it was wild to me that they live in this sort of fantasy world where they can create an environment where they take all triggers out, where she doesn't have to, you know, come in contact with anything. And that didn't work for her, right? Like, mm-hmm. She didn't come in contact with alcohol or drugs for so long. And then she was like, you know what? I'm going to go find them anyhow. So at some point, you have to learn how to live in a world that has all of these things that trigger you. And Mm -hmm. if you're not ready, then don't go into certain places. Yeah. (laughs) Or like Postmates that crap. Right? You have all this money. Send an assistant to go. If you can't handle it. But also, like, some people are restricting what they're eating. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's a bad thing to have, like, a 100-calorie dessert as opposed to a 500-calorie dessert. Do I do it? Like... Yeah. Whatever makes you happy. It's... it's, it's, I I always want to be... sympathetic and empathetic to what everyone's going through. But like at the same, like what you said, it's like, you have to figure out how to learn with that. It's like developing coping skills and all that stuff. Like we can't just shield everyone from everything all the time. Yeah. I've just been thinking a lot about her documentary and I was like, I don't know if I were her, I would have like waited longer till I Mm -hmm. kind of had my shit a little more together before I tried to show something to the world because I felt like it wasn't I don't know it was just like she's still in the middle of it so I wasn't sure and I I know it's a lifelong journey addiction and all of this stuff but I I don't know something felt off and it was much more about how she felt about everything and a little bit less about the toll it took on everyone around her and yeah. there didn't seem to be a lot of reflection on her part or on anyone's part about, I don't know, a bit of, I think, some of the celebrity culture where it's like they control their environments too much and they don't like, I don't know, they don't know how to be normal people. Like she doesn't seem yeah. like she knows how to be a normal person that can walk into a frozen yogurt shop and order something like. Right. 
It's very reminiscent of the age where it was like Paris Hilton, Britney Spears. Like, I feel like it's the next generation of that. Um, because when back in the 2000s, when they were just out and it was like a celebrity, like everyone was crowding them. It totally did a number on Britney Spears. It's I feel like this is the next level of that where it almost it takes away, like you said, their ability to function as a normal person. And it's just really sad to see. Yeah. It's tough. It's really tough. I mean, my heart goes out. I wish her the best. Yeah. I appreciate her for speaking out, especially on sexual mm-hmm. assault and all of the, how that can damage you and, you know, all of that and, and trying to, different ways of coping with it, you know, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, agreed. You couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I also want to get your thoughts on um, some other Bravo topics. So sure. we're about to start on New York and Beverly Hills. We've seen the trailers. Which mm-hmm. one are you more excited for? Okay. I'm more excited for Beverly Hills only because, so everyone loves New York. I do love the ladies of New York, but I think coming from New York, I'm kind of like, like, even though I live in LA now, like LA was always where I wanted to move. So that was always the more like exciting glam franchise for me. So just purely from that aspect, I'm more excited about Beverly Hills, but then also they're going to be covering like Erica's legal drama. Um, I was, this is such a hot take, but I'm not a fan of Sutton. I never was a fan of Sutton. I think she's so snobby. Like I, I don't have patience for that. Um, so to see uh, Crystal come for her, I'm like, Crystal, like, yes. I, I really can't wait to see that. Like, I think we're going to see Sutton, like, unfold, like, just totally melt down. And I, I liked – I know I'm going off on a tangent. I liked how Sutton handled herself on the reunion. I will say that. But I just think she's just so snobby. Like, it, it grinds my gears. I like her. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You're allowed to like who you like. I mean, she, she's probably the the housewife that like I couldn't put my finger on the most. I was like, I can't tell if she's like trying to be 13 or trying to be 75. Oh, you know, so like funny. she's even like being a little bit more juvenile or like a little too matronly. Yeah. But I feel like she's settling into her own and she's just a quirky, bizarre woman Mm-hmm. who doesn't seem to have a whole lot of filter and it's mm. she's on a franchise where everyone is filtered everyone's thinking so many ways of how to say something before they say it or just don't touch things and i mm-hmm. want someone on that show to say it as much yeah. as lisa rinna like says that she is unfiltered she will protect yeah. her friends and she will not acknowledge any mistakes it's or wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. calculated. So I'm ready. I'm totally excited for Beverly Hills too. Yeah, it's going to be so good. And hopefully with like COVID restrictions easing up here, like maybe I can do a little stocky stock. <laughs> See if they're <laughs> filming anywhere. Like next season like i'm just like oh or any like viewing parties like pop up out of the bushes all like kim kardashian like oh my god so fun i would do that too if i lived there i would like drive by their houses probably yeah yeah and i live in the valley so it's like the main road that i take to get down into like the west hollywood area like you have to go through beverly hill so i'm constantly like is anyone out there anyone walking their dog <laughs> <laughs> or any, the, the road. any of the people from selling sunset you know 
selling sunset. So across the street from my grocery store, did you watch the latest season? The third was it? Third, yes. Yes. You know that cold water house where they had that charity auction? Oh, I'm having trouble um, re- remembering. All the houses look like, the same to me. They're like cold and modern. Yeah, it was <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's LA for you. Um, it's Chris, it was Chriselle's like big project. Oh, the one in the valley. And she was like, yes. we're bringing people to the valley. And I was like, I yes. need to look at a map. <laughs> yeah. The, oh my, LA is like the valley. They call it like going over the hill. But anyway, that house is across the street from my grocery store. It's up the block from me. Oh. Um, and when I first moved, to, I saw the um, the Oppenheim for sale sign. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to be filming here. And like, sure enough, they were. Oh my God. I didn't realize that Oppenheim group was a real thing. I thought it was like just for TV. It sounds so fake, <laughs> but it's, it's a real thing. Okay. <laughs> they're like on sunset. Um, their shop's a little hole in the wall. It's so funny because before I moved here, like my skincare store is right next door. So like before I moved here, it's a chain. I stopped at Blue Mercury and I'm like, what's this place? And then Selling Sunset came out like right after. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> that is so funny. I also wasn't sure if the twins were actual twins or if it's like one guy <laughs> and they keep it. Like they don't have very distinguishable personalities. It's why (laughs) Mary Mary's always acting like they're two different people, and I was like, they're they're not Mary. (laughs) They pulled a fast one on you. Oh my god, Mary! I actually like Mary. Me too. She's like kind of the favorite. (laughs) She's totally the favorite, but Mm -hmm. she's interesting. She's just yeah. different kind of life. I feel like she's lived a lot. Like the fact that she has like a much older child, you know, and then is dating this like or married this really young Mar- guy yeah. who <laughs> it's just the Damn whole girl. Thing. Like she's living the LA dream. Like that is what people come out here to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. She's fun. She's really fun. And now isn't one of them like Christine, isn't she pregnant? Yes. Um, so it's so funny because on the show, I'll watch the show and I'm like, I can't stand Christine. And then I follow her on Instagram. She's so nice. She's so glamorous. Like she looks all her maternity photos look like stunning and angelic. And I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait for this child to be born because it is gonna be the most over the top, like spectacular production. She is gonna knock all of the Vanderpump babies in the water. <laughs> Yes, Christine. Yeah. It's so funny. She seems like one of those people who understands the reality TV like equation. And she Mm -hmm. knows where she needs to be in that equation to make it pop out right. And she does it so well. And I feel like, and we're going to segue into Summer House here because I feel like Hannah thinks she understands the equation and thinks she knows where she should be and miscalculates. What a mess. (laughs) What an absolute mess. So I posted earlier today a meme about how I'm like, you know, standing up for Luke, mainly Mm -hmm. because we're both from Minnesota. And I feel and I'm not like excusing any of his behavior. I feel like he doesn't get the reality show aspect of it. And so they're always pulling fast ones on him, right? They're Mm -hmm. constantly a couple steps ahead. And he's like, wait, you were doing that just for the camera like you were trying to make me look this way okay and so I feel like it's all coming together and so I yeah. really am excited and hope that 
he's got it more together for Winter House and definitely for the next season of Summer House. But I feel very strongly that Hannah was like, I know this is going to be my storyline and Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it look like he screwed me over much more than he really did. And I'm going to confront him about it. And then Mm -hmm. he'll look crazy because he'll get mad at me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, ugh. Yeah, that definitely adds up. So watching in real time, like the first few episodes before Hannah like got mad at everyone who ever lived um, and she was just mad at Luke. I was solely team Hannah at that point just because I'm my single, my dating life is a mess. Um, And I have been so affected by like F boys. And like, I just saw a lot of the way that Luke was treating her in last season. He did lead her. He definitely led her on. Um, But it just like triggered something in me. And I was like, I don't like this guy like this. Like he's, I don't know. He's making her look crazy, even though she definitely was blowing up too. She's not innocent in any of this, as we know. So at first I was like, oh, screw this guy. And then as the season unfolded, and then she's like, she had that conversation with Kyle um, and she brought up her dad. And then he like, um, he just went further on that. And she's like, don't bring up my family. I was like, wait, what? This girl like needs to figure this out. Like either at first at that point, I'm like, is she truly unhinged or is she kind of what we talked about doing the whole reality TV villain thing wrong? And then as the season went on and on, I'm like, okay, she thinks she's playing a good villain. She's not playing a good villain. And the last episode, oh my God, when the producer was like, do you want to go to Kyle and Amanda's wedding? And she's like, no, I'm like, F you, like you, you're the one who's been making a big deal about this all season. And now you're going to act nonchalantly about a big milestone in your so-called friend's life. Like that's so grimy. She's done so many grimy things, you know, and it's, I'm excited for it to come up at the reunion, the stuff that she said about Carl and drugs, because I remember when that happened, it was two years ago. She was on Danny Pellegrino's podcast and she said, we were playing tennis and he got a bloody nose and I was like, Oh my God, how much Adderall are you snorting? And so she alluded to the fact that the cast did a lot of Adderall and that was what allowed them to stay up later. And that was what allowed them to drink more. And we all know that this happens. And it'd be one thing if she said like, Oh, a lot of people used it. But when she specifically mentioned Carl and snorting it, it felt like this is unfair right? You don't need to out him. Even if this is true, you don't need to say it out loud, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't something that, you know, and you're not giving him an opportunity to speak on it. You're just putting it out in the universe. You don't know if he has a substance issue, which we were finding out he does, you know, and, and even if he was just doing it for fun and it's just felt grimy, right? Yeah. It's, and it, you can also, like, on the previews of the reunion, you could see this, like, internal muck, like, start to radiate off her. Like, she no longer has that fun glow she had about her her first season on the show. She just looks, she looks like her aura radiates, like, I'm miserable. Like, she, I don't know. I think this is not a good time for her. I'm curious to see how her engagement's going to play out. Because I think... 
so we're, I'm, I'm a very like spiritual person and where your energy's at, it's like who you attract. So if she's radiating this mucky energy, like Des doesn't seem like the best person. So this is either, either it could go the way of they're going to live forever and like happily ever after, or like, this is going to be a really tumultuous relationship and play out horribly for the both of them. So I'm curious. It reminds me Des does not remind me of this, but it reminds me of when Stasi moved to New York to be with Patrick and looked down mm. on all of her friends as like, you're not my real friends. I'm going to go be with mature people. And, yeah. you know, it turns out Patrick was such a dud. He was such an asshole. Terrible. You know, and she was not nice to Katie. She just kind of was rude to everyone. And I don't mm-hmm. think Des is like this at all, but this is the way Hannah's behaving. Like, I've yeah. got this new guy and I'm better than all of you. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I'm I'm so interested to see that play out. I wanted to like Des because I watched a couple of his comedy skits on Instagram and some of them I was like, eh, and then some of them I'm like, all right, he doesn't seem all that bad. I was excited to meet him. And then when he came to the house and it was just all of a, a show, it reminded me of that episode of Friends where um, it was like Chandler and Monica and Phoebe. And I think it was Michael Rappaport. And it was like, <laughs> who was the cooler couple who was banging yeah. it out more? That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I hate Hannah and don't want her on the show. And I think it's really mm-hmm. important to distinguish between having a villain on the show who like you think is frustrating and like yeah. saying, I don't want th- this person on at all. I was really frustrated looking on social media how many people are saying we don't want Hannah or Des back at all. It's like, okay, I'm not going to take it that far. If they're not actual friends with anyone, it will be difficult to do. Like, then I understand. But if they still have friendships with some of the people, then I don't know. Let's see. I Yeah, I definitely can't say I feel strongly like, get her off the show. But if she needs to take time where it's like, you know what, this season was a terrible look for me. Let me take a step back and figure it out before I come back. I wouldn't be angry at that. Yeah, no, me neither. But I don't know. I feel like there's a lot. People are losing the ability to say, okay, I don't like this person, but (laughs) they're good for they're good for the show. Right? Yes. And that happens on Jersey so much with people being like, I hate Teresa or I can't stand Jackie or Jennifer Aiden, you know, whatever. And it's like all of them together make a fantastic ensemble. Yeah. And what better show to have these like wacky, like polarizing characters than Jersey? Like Jersey is the perfect format for all that because Jersey itself in a state is over the top. So it's just, it's the perfect storm. But I couldn't agree with you more. I think now with social media and like everyone being behind a screen, like you just get these characters that are like, we're going to petition to get so-and-so off the show. And like, unless they did something so crappy where it's like, okay, this is harmful to have this person on TV. Like take a step down, like have a sip of coffee. Let's all relax and enjoy the show. Exactly. The thing I love about Summer House is that I feel like I could actually relate to these people and I feel like I'd be friends with some of them in real Mm -hmm. life. And maybe that's because they all have actual jobs. Maybe that's why I don't relate to Paige or Hannah because their jobs are not like (laughs) jobs I understand, you know. But for example, Danielle, Lindsay, 
like Carl, Kyle, Amanda all working on a startup, you know, all of it is just, I like people who work and you can relate to and they have like a pretty balanced life. They're not like, they're not only reality stars. They're Mm -hmm. reality stars for part of the year, but they're full time doing whatever else they're doing. And I think it's incredible because you rarely get to see glimpses of people who like work for a company, like what Danielle does love Danielle. Like I think Danielle does such a good job of representing the viewer because Mm -hmm. they're like going, but like, well, yeah, Kyle and Amanda and Carl, they have a startup, which is great, but like most people don't run their own businesses. So it's so great to see Danielle and like even Stravi, who's like locked in the closet, just like (laughs) working all day. And it's like, that's been all of us. Like if you didn't already work from home, the pandemic has forced us to all like adapt and work from home. So we are that person like, trying to, you see her in a blazer, but like, she's got like her sweats on too. Like we're all trying to look like decent half from the top up, like cup of coffee, like in a closet, trying to make this work. And it's just so refreshing to see that in Danielle. And she has been so real in so many ways this season. I think she's come a long way from season one, a long, long way. Um, where the, when she's calling Lindsay out um, and now seeing this new romance blossom with her and Robert, which like Robert is a gem. Like so sweet. Danielle, if you're listening, if he has any friends, like shoot them my way. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. I love, I love them. Like my heart gushes for them. And it's, it was nice to watch a relationship progress in sort of yes. a manner that you would see a relationship progress. Like not yes. everyone sleeps together on the second date. You know, sometimes there's a slow build. (laughs) That's me to a T. I have never been that person. So it's entertaining to watch everyone else do it. But then to see Danielle be that like representation, I'm like, my girl, Danielle, like for the little people here. (laughs) No, I also just love like watching them in that house. The house is beautiful. When they go to the beach, it's absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if there was no one at the beaches because everything was so locked down last summer and the only people mm-hmm. that were in the Hamptons were people that owned property there. Like the hotels maybe weren't open or something, but it was gorgeous. I'm going to the Hamptons yeah. this summer with some friends. I'm so excited. So and I, you. my goal is to find that beach that they were at when yeah. she broke up with Stravi. Okay, I, I'm going to ask around because I have cousins in that area. I'll do some research and let you know. It was just so beautiful. And there were also, so my friend Katie, we're going to go together. And she, we were like mm-hmm. watching it back. And she's like, so there are these tree stumps that like they're sitting on, like Lucas sitting. And she's yeah. like, do you think they're like props or like are the tree stumps just randomly on the beach? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, production inserted tree stumps. That's so know. funny. It just didn't seem natural to see like a tree stump in the middle of just sand. Like sand. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks so pretty. I don't really care about seeing the houses or anything like that. I really just want to spend a lot of time by the water. I love this moment for you. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be living vicariously through you. My friends and I tried to do a Hampton strip like two years ago, but everything was just booked solid. So so we booked in March for August and yeah, it was already getting booked up. And we're going with a friend who lives in New York City and she goes out to the Hamptons pretty regularly, mm-hmm. like whether for like a weekend or here or there with friends or weddings or whatever. I've only been once and I was in Montauk. So I'm excited nice. to explore like Southampton, East Hampton, Sag Harbor. 
we're gonna go to like Soul Cycle, you know, and one yes! you know, maybe we'll run into Luann oh or something. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for you. You have to like fully document this on your Instagram. Oh, I will. Full influencer mode. Okay, good. I just (laughs) also my kind of vibe in terms of like house decor and things that I like to wear is very Hamptons ish. And I didn't Mm -hmm. recognize it till I was there. And I was there for a wedding and my friend who was getting married was like, Mandy, this is so your vibe. Like the types of houses, the types of furniture, like I'm just very beachy. Did you watch that um, show on Netflix that tried to be selling Sunset Million Dollar Beach House? I think it was called. No, but I need to. Okay, it's all like <laughs> it's it's focused in the Hamptons. It's real estate. Yeah, you should watch that. Oh, it's so funny. And yeah, you know, at first I thought I was very like I'm tacky. I assumed I was really tacky. My friends like, no, no, yeah. you like have like kind of like beach chic, but like it's not obviously beach. Like I don't have like any you know signs that say Shells. like. Yeah. <laughs> The Jersey Shore Beach House. Like, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, but I like, you know, that kind of colors and imagery and, you know, the the wood that's a little bit washed out and grayish. Like, that's, I like that sort of vibe. Yeah, coastal chic. Coastal chic. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else on Summer House? I feel like there's just so much. Okay, this is definitely what I want to say. Lindsay, every single season... She surprises me without surprising me, if that makes any sense. And But by what I mean is we see her make these mistakes with men. Like, we saw it with Everett the first couple of seasons. And it's just like, I feel like in my heart, I am rooting for her. She's freaking gorgeous. She's like that friend we all have who's like, you can get any guy if you just believe in yourself. Like, that's the missing piece here. And I was so happy when she came onto the show. I'm like, oh, she's with... Stravi and then like she lost her her crap on him and like uh just completely blew up on him for no reason and I'm like dude you're making the same mistakes and I know you have this timeline and I totally get it like I'm seeing all my friends get married and have kids now and it's heartbreaking so I know but you're putting that pressure on yourself like and the answer is to just step back and like figure yourself out and the right guy's gonna come to you and it's so heartbreaking to watch season after season and I was kind of proud of her in this last episode at the very end when she said to Stravi we should not move in together I'm like okay this is the first like or the second right decision the first right decision was breaking up with him when she took him back I was a little like girl, what are you doing? You're settling. Um, but when she was like, okay, I, I want to not live together. I'm like, the the voice is there, Lindsay, deep down. Like, you know what you should be doing. So lean into that voice, girl. Cause like she deserves the best. She really does. Yeah. I think she, I think they all do. It's just, she's mm-hmm. very reactive and she mm-hmm. knows she's reactive. And for whatever reason, she can't help herself. So she also reminds me a little bit of sort of how to lose a guy in 10 days. Like she's like really good at catching a guy. And then she changes over time where her expectations build and build. And the guy's like, you're not that cool girl from the first few months we were dating. And so and then she's thinking, well, you're not the guy that, you know, went all out to try and get me. And so Mm -hmm. it seems like she like there's always mismatched expectations. She's got to do some attachment style homework. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <That'll benefit> her. <laughs> She's someone I 
I don't know. I feel like I would be so anxious with how she's like reactive. I wouldn't know what to do the way that Danielle did, like where Danielle's mm-hmm. like, you're not leaving Stravi. Calm down. She's going to go to bed. You're going to go to bed. We're going to deal with this in the morning. Yeah. I'd be like, I can't handle friends that lose their shit like this regularly. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't handle it. It's a lot. You know? So Danielle's a really good friend. I just I just wish Lindsay wouldn't have these, like, extreme blow-ups. If yeah, they could just be, and like, it's just to hear less. her say she's testing them. Yeah. It's like, well, if you know you're testing them, like, maybe don't whip out that SAT book. Like, <laughs> kind of just let it ride out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, let's take a quick break before we jump into all of the housewives. Whoop, whoop. Crack that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. And we're back. So we had the season finale of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I don't think I've ever seen a season finale that felt less like a season finale. It was just, mm. <laughs> I was like, this is, ugh. I, I really hope production gets it together because I don't necessarily blame the women. I feel like the story was put together real choppy. And there were random yeah. strings of storyline. And then this most recent one about Latoya and the Prophet just doesn't feel like it's a thing, but they were making it a thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was tough. So the two kind of like storylines we kind of saw a little bit of an end to were Drew had Josiah meet his birth father on camera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was just kind of uncomfortable. I don't know. I felt like, okay, we already saw that first scene and you have it now proof, right, that he's not that interested in his birth father. So right. if there's like a custody situation, you at least have that evidence. Why further do this on camera? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I feel like those types of scenes are either going to go like one way where it's like, oh, this is great. And like, we hit it off and everyone's figured out a new family situation and it's great. Or it's like completely wrong, either like they don't get along or it's just uncomfortable, like you said. So I feel like she should have maybe felt out the room, like gotten the temperature of that situation before, you know, progressing. It's Mm -hmm. hard. It is hard. That, that kind I, of I know stuff is so hard. She wants to show their real life and this is a real thing that's happening. And I'm glad that Josiah is like starting to form a relationship with his birth father, but he just felt it looked like he was so uncomfortable. And I just wanted to be like, yeah. Drew, don't force him to do this on camera. Just don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And it's also like you as the housewife have to remember like I'm not the only one whose story is affected by this. Right. Right. And I think that's so tough. Part of me feels like she also thought that this storyline put her husband, Ralph, in a better light. And, you know, she knew he like looked pretty bad from the beginning, leaving for three days. So I don't know. 
that I was talking to Taria from the What Else Is Going On podcast. And yeah. She, she was saying Drew has a lot of internalized misogyny. And it's just mm. never been so obvious, you know, with the housewife yeah. where she's just blaming Latoya for this supposed affair with the prophet or whoever. And, you know, and finally... Candy, who is her friend, like Drew's friend on the show, is like, he wasn't forced to do this. He chose to do this. You know, stop mm-hmm. saying that. Oh, man. Right. Do you think um, Drew's going to be back for next season? I do. I do. Yeah. I think she has real relationships with the other women, yes. which I appreciate. And I don't know. I'm always willing to give, I'm willing to give almost any housewife a second season because I feel like they're just getting their feet wet. They don't really understand the process sometimes. Mm-hmm. They make some mistakes. I always like seeing a second season housewife. Yeah. And I always feel like there's that second season. It's either a curse. If you had a really good first season, you're going to yeah. have a bad second season. Or if you had a bad first season, they're going to flip you in another light the second season. So it's, you need to. Right. <laughs> like Camille. Yeah, oh my God. Woo, she talked about a rough first season. Now, do you think Leah McSweeney was going to get a rough second season edit? Um, Possibly. So with all the drama that's going down with Heather, I'm curious because I feel like that could, again, go one of two ways. Either Leah looks really bad or Heather looks really bad. So I'm curious to see how that goes because Heather stopped filming with them. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm a Leah fan. Like, I I love how Leah's just, like, no BS and, like, calls it out like she sees it. But I can see how that would be flipped in a bad light. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, For Atlanta, are you more Mm -hmm. of a Kenya fan or more of a Porsche fan? Because I feel like people usually fall into one of two camps, right? Yeah, so on the show, well, on the show and in real life, I love Portia. I love the work she's doing. I love her as a mom. And then it's like when I see Kenya on Instagram and I see her with Brooklyn and I'm like, there's this motherly, like, nurturing light about her. And then she goes on the show and she, like, acts a fool. Then I, it's like, I can't be a fan of you, Kenya, when you're doing this. But again, she makes great TV. That's what we love about her. But it's just so hard. Like when you see this beautiful, like she glows as a mom. You could tell Mm -hmm. she loves her daughter and she would do anything for that child. And I love that about her. And I just wish we do get to see some of that on the show. I wish we got to see a little bit more of that. I bet she wasn't doing as many scenes with Brooklyn and stuff because I'm sure Mark said, I don't want you showing my child's face on camera. What a... What a jerk. He's what like the asshole. worst. So yeah. this week she was calling him while she was talking to her therapist and he wasn't mm-hmm. answering. He was like blocking the calls. And so finally mm-hmm. she texted him was like, why are you blocking my calls? And he said, there's been an emergency. I'm with a friend who's at the hospital. And immediately Kenya knows this is a lie because at that time in New York City, no one else was allowed in the hospital with a patient. Right. So he's constantly feeding her shit. And then I just can't believe that he, when he visits Atlanta, he assumes he's staying with her. He assumes he's staying in the bed and he assumes that they are having sex. And she feels uncomfortable with it. And I don't think she feels comfortable 
sharing what her boundaries are, you know, and uh, it's just wild because she's so strong in the rest of her life. And she like tells everyone exactly what she thinks. And then when it comes to him, she's so submissive. And I just, yeah, I want to see her back. I want to see her have a full divorce, like cut it off. You get like sole physical custody. This man has never been around his daughter. He's never spent a night alone with his daughter. Yeah. It's no, like he can have visitation, but this is your child. You are raising this child, you know? And I want to see her own all of that and move forward. Yeah. And it's so, I'm so glad that you said she's able to be strong in all other areas of her life. I think with her relationship with Mark, this is such a narcissist coming after like this, I don't want to call her an empath, but like she's, they're the perfect storm. They're perfect opposites. He knows what buttons to push on her and that's affecting her ability to set boundaries. Like you said, it's all a perfect storm that plays in one another. So where she makes up for all this is with the other women. It's like, she's trying to gain that power back. I feel, and she's doing it in all the wrong ways where it's like, no, you should be taking your power back with this jerk. Exactly. (laughs) You don't need to be like obsessing over Portia and what she's doing with Bolo. You should focus on your man and getting rid of him. (laughs) Yeah, and finding someone who's going to love you and that gorgeous baby the way you guys deserve to be loved. I know, but I think she's into guys that treat her poorly. That's who she attracts. That's who she chooses. It's going to take a lot of rewiring. A lot. A lot. That's a good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. And. Poor Cynthia putting together this Christmas party. It was just such uh, that everyone, Portia was three and a half hours late. I mean, yeah. it's just so obnoxious. This white elephant exchange. And this is so obvious. So like everyone chose something that was so themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're told to spend no more than $1,000. So you've got like Cynthia has like the ugliest Tiffany bracelet and necklace that you've ever seen. It was like of all the things that you could get at Tiffany's that could be up to $1,000, that would be the last thing that someone would want to choose. Then you've got Marlo. She didn't even show up. She sent an assistant and one of her nephews to deliver $1,000 in cash. (laughs) I love that. Candy, most useful thing. She got a 256 gigabyte iPhone 12, and that had just come out. Kenya spent what she says was $5,000 on diamond earrings. You've got Portia with this, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Baccarat perfume and mini oh, Gucci yeah, yeah. bag. Latoya had a Gucci bag. Shamia had a Chanel brooch and scarf. Mal took 12 bottles of champagne from the Bailey wine cellar. <laughs> oh, and Drew did this like crazy wig cassette recording proof of Latoya and the Prophet. It was so obnoxious. Oh. And mm-hmm. it was just so funny watching Portia's face, like when that happened, where she was like, "Oh, Drew, honey, this ain't it. Like you think yeah. this is going to be the big finale, and it's it's you look stupid." Yeah, um, uh, it's so funny that they did a white elephant because it's like we do these at like work gatherings, and we're, it's like you're supposed to not spend more than like what twenty five twenty five dollars. <laughs> My go-to, we were talking about this in Clubhouse last week. My go-to, like, in Jersey, Wawa's, 
like the big store. I don't know if you have them by you, mm-hmm. um, but it's like a convenience store. Yeah. And I always, I'm like, all right, $25 Wawa gift card. I feel like I would be the Marla, like with the cash. I'm like $25 Wawa gift card. Like it's done. <laughs> well, I like white elephant. Cause like if you open something and you see what someone else like has and you like that, you can steal it. Mm-hmm. And so I always want to oh, yeah. get a gift that's like kind of fun. So I, yes. I usually will get something like, Okay, it's like a dinosaur, but it's a taco holder. Oh, that's so cute. You know, like the dinosaurs that have those sort yeah. of like taco-like shells. So it like holds so multiple cute. tacos. <laughs> it's like so Aww. stupid. <laughs> no, that's adorable. <laughs> but like Taco Tuesday night is so much better when you've got a dinosaur holding your tacos. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Someone did. This was the most creative and I stole it and someone stole it from me. I was so mad. It was a mini bottle of Patron and a breathalyzer. I'm like, this is the most fun thing ever. And it got stolen from me. Oh my gosh. It's always fun having, um, you know, the last number. Mm-hmm. one of those. I had the, one of the last ones this year and I stole a Cheesecake Factory gift card and I was very content. Oh, Cheesecake Factory. I love their avocado yeah. egg rolls and I've tried yes. to make them so many times at home and they never Is it hard? taste the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> let's head over to Dallas. So I know it's been a bit of a tough season, but this episode was, I feel like, so fun and so funny with the whole Dallas mm-hmm. theme. I've never watched the show Dallas, but Same. I knew immediately that what they were doing and that intro that they had that was just like the Dallas theme song yeah, was, was so cute. fun. And to go to that mm-hmm. ranch, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a big part of American culture and the mm-hmm. biggest part of Dallas history in terms of like being iconic sort of pop culture you know, I think the yes. episode of Dallas, the Who Shot JR episode, is the second most watched TV show in the United States, like, ever. Yeah. Even I never watched Dallas, and I know, like, who shot JR. JR, yeah. And I don't yeah. know who actually shot JR. I just know the name. <laughs> Somebody shot him, and he's dead now. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. And just like every other episode this season, it has only reaffirmed my love for Deandra and Tiffany. Oh, my God. I love them both. I think Tiffany is such a great addition to this show. She is just a ball of light. Like, she is so much fun. Um, And her and Deandra, like, are the perfect, like, bestie combo. Like, they Mm -hmm. complement each other in the best ways. And I think we've just seen Deandra grow so much. Um, She, Deandra's, like, so communicative with fans. Like, I DM'd her about Jeremy, like, because she she showed the screenshot of him waiting two and a half hours. I was like, (laughs) Deandra, why didn't he run an errand? And she was like, I don't know, he's a guy. And I was like, I love you guys. Like, get you a man like Jeremy who, like, won't leave the car and is just waiting for you. so into her. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) He's so cute, but he's so into her. And it's it's fun. And, like, they haven't been married that long, you know? It's not Mm -hmm. like they've been married 20 years. So it does make sense that he's still, like, head over heels and so Mm -hmm. excited about her. I don't know. Yeah. She's someone who I feel like understands the reality TV equation and yes. really wants the franchise to be successful. And I think mm-hmm. she knows that this season was tough. And I mm-hmm. think she's sort of like, okay, guys, let's move forward here. Yeah. 
do you think there's going to be like a cash shakeup for Dallas? I think there has to be. I yeah. think, you know, it's just as the ratings aren't great. And as soon as mm-hmm. the show doesn't make money for the network, they'll cut yeah. it. But I think it's still making some money. And I think they're I think they're willing to rework it a bit, but mm-hmm. my best guess is they'll try to rebuild the cast around Deandra, Tiffany, Cam, and maybe Stephanie. Yeah, it's I I'm with you on that because it's hard for me to be like they're going to cut Stephanie because I know a lot of people do like her, but now with her just her association and her constant defense of Brandy, like people are starting to be like all right, Stephanie, like, come on, either get with it or, like, get off. So I can see them dropping her, maybe to a friend of. It's just with Brandy, she just got such bad advice. I don't know where she's getting her advice. Mm -hmm. If it's hopefully not from Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the least religious person on earth, so I can't tell you. (laughs) doesn't seem like... A good, a good idea to go on the show and then still be so defensive about yeah. what you did and being unwilling to talk through it in a way that's both helpful for you to move forward and also helps draw attention to racism against against yeah. Asian Americans. I had a beautiful live with Victoria Asians mm-hmm. who watch Bravo and we actually discussed this and I'm like, I feel so bad that Tiffany's first season was centered around someone else's storyline. Like that is such crap for you to have to come in and have to answer to all these things that you didn't do. And it's like, just because you're Asian and it's just like Brandy should have stepped up and she should have directed it and taken ownership of it and tried to make it better rather than putting it as like, I feel uncomfortable around you, Tiffany. Tiffany, this is her first season. It's so hard to be the newbie. It's like, there's an element almost of like almost hazing in a way. Like you're going through this new thing and you're on your own and to have to be thrown into someone else's mistake not even mistakes like blatant racism like come on that's I know she got the short end of the stick I know and also with Tiffany I think the other women feel inadequate next to her right she's Mm -hmm. this beautiful wealthy established woman who's a successful mother a doctor you know she's got these candle company she has it all right and she can talk Mm -hmm. about things and she sounds very intelligent and the rest of them they just care about shopping and clothes and really frivolous things Mm -hmm. and next to her they look vapid and obnoxious and i think they don't want to they don't want to appear that way, and so they resent her, right? Mm-hmm. I think it. Like, they were so mm-hmm. rude to her with the closet. Yeah. They're like, "Who needs this closet?" It's like, but you had a whole swimming pool in your house. Like, exactly. come on, exactly. Like, do you not see the hypocrisy stuff? I like Stephanie overall. I think there is a lot of good to her. I think the good outweighs the bad, but it's like 
do you not see the hypocrisy in this situation? Like you guys are just coming for this person because you feel insecure and that's not okay. Like I think Tiffany should come back next year. I don't know if she will. I think she should come back next season season and she should have her shot of living her true storyline and going for brunch with the girls and like the stuff we like to see on housewives. Yeah. I don't know how she does it with working a full-time job that is so stressful during a pandemic, you know, fully gowning up, yeah. gowning off, you know, all the PPE, dealing with surgery, yeah. all of the difficulties and things that hospitals are handling, and yeah. then dealing with all these obnoxious women and filming schedule. It's just, I don't know how she does it. I'm I'm hoping that she's able to come back, but maybe also scale back on work a little too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is a stressful job. I mean, of course, being any type of doctor is stressful, but I saw this TikTok and it was like, what your anesthesiologist does for you. It's like, you just think they put you to sleep and that's it. Like they are on through the whole surgery, like monitoring your levels and like this and that. And I'm like, this girl did all this, literally has like people's lives in her hands and then has to worry about someone forcing tequila down her throat at the end of the day. Like, Kudos to you, Tiffany. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, man. This season was just a rough one. I really... Yeah. But I enjoy, like, the kind of culture of Dallas. It's so unfamiliar yes. to me. So I'm like, yeah. okay, show me this cowboy, this whatever stuff that, you know, you guys do in Dallas, this charity scene that you speak of. But yeah. I think they need to get some new blood in there. I love the Mama D energy, and I don't mm-hmm. want them to go too young with the housewives. I would really like to see, as Jeff Epstein calls it, an older broad on the show. <laughs> like, like, let's get some women in their early 50s. That's not old, yeah. right? But let's right, find some you know, women that have sort of Mama D energy, that old school Dallas. Yeah. You know, let's do that. We don't need any more 35-year-olds. You know, I love Tiffany, and she is very mm-hmm. mature, but I want to see, I don't know, want to see some older housewives. Yeah, and I think that would be a good balance. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything else that happened this episode. It's just, you know, going to that ranch house. I don't yeah. Know. It was such, I don't want to say a snooze, but like what I, so normally I do recaps and like, I could not think of anything to recap except Jeremy waiting for Deandre in the car. (laughs) That's what my mind went back to. I'm like, that is a loyal man. (laughs) Two and a half hours in a parking garage. (laughs) I'm like, didn't he have to pee? Wasn't it hot? Like, I don't know. Uh, kudos to him. I love him. <laughs> and when we got to see Carrie's youngest daughter, Isabella, yes. who we, I don't know if we've seen on camera before, or I didn't yeah, remember I her. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of Carrie, because obviously next episode, she's going to go like off the walls. What are your thoughts on Carrie? Last season, I did not like Carrie as a new addition. Like, I always got mean girl energy from her. But I think her, again, her true self was overshadowed by Leanne's racist actions. Like, it's always just, it goes down that way. And then this season, just like, I felt Val, I'm like, okay, the mean girl vibes were confirmed. Because she is just, she's a mess. She is one of the least self-aware people I've seen and that 
And that says a lot because most of these women are not (laughs) self-aware. But she takes it to a whole other level. She's talking about her mother's alcoholism and bad relationship with alcohol. And I understand there's a difference between like everyday drinking and not being able to care for your child and what Mm -hmm. she does, which is when her kids aren't around, binge drinking with her friends and just – but that is having an effect on her friends. It may not be impacting her children, but it's impacting other people in her life. And she just is someone that I just don't think can handle alcohol because when she drinks, she turns into such an asshole. And she's already an asshole Mm -hmm. who, like, doesn't seem to really care about other people's feelings and does whatever she wants when she feels like it. But, man, it is just something else. She's no respect for other people, other people's, like, property or anything, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, she, like, takes down JR's bedroom next episode. <laughs> oh, my God. She's just... Like, let the dead rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's just... I don't know. I feel like this season could have gone so differently. Yeah. And I, I rarely, like, watch a season. I'm like, no, no, guys. It could have been a different way. But, mm-hmm. you know... But yeah, I think I think they'll rework it. Yeah, for sure. There's got to be some sort of shakeup. Some something. Give us something. <laughs> I know. Well, let's hop over to Jersey, which has been my no. favorite. It's my favorite franchise that's on right now. I absolutely. So I just love this ensemble of women. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I rarely can say like I love all of them, and mm-hmm. for different reasons, I love what they bring. You know, do I think Jennifer is someone who I would want to be friends with? And she's like my favorite and I stand her. No, but she brings something so interesting and something different that we haven't seen before to the show. Yes. And her and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe they make every year. It's her family is the storyline. Well, they're a huge part of her life and they're interesting. Yes, and that's very Jersey-centric. So, and what I like about that, like, obviously in Jersey, the majority of women are Italian. Like, I'm 100% Italian. But you see that that family, you still get that strong, like, Turkish, like, family-centric vibe from her. And I think it's also due in part, it's a Jersey thing. Jersey's very loyal. Like, loyalty runs deep there. I've had issues with friends out here in California, and I'm like, where's the loyalty? And this person's from Orlando. No offense to Floridians. And I'm like, okay, it's just not the same. It's not the same. So it's definitely a Jersey thing. Yeah. (laughs) New York, New Jersey. It's so, it's, yeah, that's so funny, the loyalty thing, because I don't really understand it. I feel like there's so many ways to be loyal, and the way I'm Mm -hmm. loyal is, like, I support you, but I will also be like Danielle on Summer House and tell you, yes, "Yes, you are the problem in this relationship. That's a form of loyalty, 100%, and that's Mm -hmm. one I can respect. But, like, there's a difference between, like, that and like, oh, well, people are going to like me. Like I'm going on a personal experience. Like a guy I was dating started liking all of my friend's pictures. And instead of girl code, like her taking my side, she's like, people are going to like me and that's your problem. And I don't want to be friends anymore. And I'm just like, okay, like what? What? Where's the loyalty? But like, yeah, <laughs> situations like you said, absolutely calling someone out is 
definitely like loyalty. And um, we also see that I like that Melissa's not afraid to call Teresa because Lord knows Teresa, although she's good TV, like she needs to come back down to earth in so many ways. Yeah. Um, but Melissa is not afraid to call Teresa out on that. And it's like, I think that's that Gorga hot blood. Like there's definitely a hot blooded gene there. And like Melissa's just this energy of like, all right, I got to level everyone off. I got to deal with it with my husband and my um, sister-in-law. And it's just, it was interesting to see that dynamic between her and Joe that we never saw before this season. Yeah. And it's interesting because it took so long for Teresa to recognize Melissa's style of loyalty. Yes. That's yes. the issue. It's like she thinks that it should all be Dolores's style of loyalty. Yes. But there are many ways to be loyal that mm-hmm. aren't, you know, what Dolores does, which I think is bending over backwards and sometimes co-signing terrible behavior. Yeah, it's like, okay, Dolores, you don't need to we get it. We get it. She's your friend. You will always be friends. But my God, can you please talk some sense into her? For sure. Um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought with Teresa. It'll come back to me. But yeah, Dolores is definitely that kind of she reminds me of my best friend, Morgan. Um, Like when I was like, Morgan, Pete Davidson's going out with Phoebe Diniver. I'm so mad. And she was like, I'm gonna remove Bridgerton off my watch list. That's definitely like a Dolores type friend. Like that runs deep in Jersey too. I do love Dolores. I think there's, she exudes such strong energy, but again, it's kind of like, it's not as extreme as that Kenya situation. Like she, her picker with men is completely off. Like she's with David and he's not giving her anything. And it's like, she has Frank, obviously that marriage didn't work out. It's just such an interesting dynamic to me. I'm so interested. I disagree that that David isn't giving her anything. I think he is. I think he doesn't. He's not into the show, right? He doesn't Mm, want to be on TV. And so what I think is that outside of filming, they're fine, right? But it also depends on what she wants. If she wants to have a ring on her finger, then and he's not, you know, dedicated to having a legal marriage, then yes. then maybe that's not. But I don't think he's not giving her anything. I think he just is a different style. But that being said, if you're dating someone who's on a reality show and this is their line of work, you kind of need to go along with it, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, Also, um, Paige and Perry. I was just thinking about that. Like yeah. at some point, you know, and it's not just Paige being on Summer House. Her whole line of work is through social media, being mm-hmm. an influencer. You have to show things. You have to be public about things. And if he is not willing to do that, I don't understand how she can have a career. Mm-hmm. Just show up for a drink. That's all you got to do. Show up for a drink. I mean, that would be a start. But at some point, he would need to be shown also. You can't just, you know, like Cam on Southern Charm. At some point, she was like, mm-hmm. okay, my husband is a doctor. He's not going to appear on the show. Okay, he's going to like, we're going to show him in like one or two scenes. But then, you know, when mm-hmm. push came to shove, she's like, you know what? This isn't for me anymore. This isn't for my family. So it's yeah. either you're all in or you're not, but you can only ride the fence for so long about what you show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the ladies get to go on a yacht. It's Emily Liebert, the uh, ghostwriter for Marge's book. It's um, I'm actually reading Marge's book right now. How is it? 
It's good. It's good. It's fun. It's light. It was interesting. I thought the parts that she was talking about with regards to the sort of Me Too moments Mm -hmm. would be much more in-depth and reflective than they were. Like, I think she was trying to say them, but not dwell on them. Okay. I felt like I could have heard more about it. That makes sense. Because she did bring that up this season. So it's like for us to hear about it, that's off first glance or first hearing that. That's what I thought a majority of the book would be about, or she would at least elaborate more on it. But I'm interested. I want to read it. She elaborates a lot more about her relationship with her mom, which we know but sort of goes in detail of like many different situations that she was in where she realized her mom was different than other moms and where she didn't really feel safe or that someone was watching out for her. And Mm -hmm. that you could see many iterations of. But I know that she mentioned she went to therapy and she was like learning, okay, I didn't feel like I could say no to men. But Mm -hmm. she didn't really explain how that impacted her but maybe it'll come because I haven't gotten to the part where her and Jan divorce and I know that there was I think like some power dynamics in their relationship I remember her saying I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was like a couple seasons ago that he locked her in a closet once yes and so Mm -hmm. I'm like okay maybe you got to a point where you were like okay I clearly have trouble saying no to men and like being like that is wrong and saying Mm -hmm. I will not tolerate this and and then I think maybe there's a a moment where she's like I deserve better I'm moving forward you know but I I haven't gotten to that part of the book yeah you have to keep me posted on that I like Marge a lot my I I wasn't a huge fan of her her first season I thought she came in rough and I was a little bit skeptical of that um but she's great I met Marge senior once and she's like the cutest thing ever oh (laughs) he's so cute she's gorgeous I was like Marge I hope I look like half as good as you do and she whispers in my ear she's like plastic surgery and I'm like (laughs) I love you that's so amazing yeah oh my gosh yeah I absolutely think like Marge Senior is hilarious and it was really nice to see her mom's reaction to the book because I'm Mm -hmm. reading it and I'm thinking oh this must feel pretty bad for her mom to read some of the stuff and you know I think Marge has always been open with her mom about how Mm -hmm. she kind of felt throughout time like why she doesn't drink at all and why she you know does certain things now because of what her childhood was like. But it was, you know, I think Martina started crying. It's like, I feel bad. I'm sorry that that happened. Yeah. Marge was saying, you know, the way that she is as a grandparent is so wonderful because that's sort of what I wanted from her as a mom. Yeah. And I think it's awesome, like, that they have the dynamic to be like, okay, this is a difficult thing. It happened. This is your right as my child to write about your experiences because it shaped your life. But I'm not going to hold that against you. And I'm still going to support you and take ownership. And that's what makes the relationship so beautiful. Like, that's how you really progress and move forward. Just acknowledging things that were done that maybe weren't the best. Um, Yeah, because it happens. It happens, but she's also very understanding of her mom's situation. And she says that her mom at some point was diagnosed as bipolar and that helped Mm -hmm. explain certain things that were going on and was getting support for that. So, yeah, it's it's tough. You know, you you get older and you realize a lot of the faults of your parents. 
Yeah, and I think that capability of Marge to be so understanding of her mom, like, it really translates um, into her as a cast member because the way she sees these women interact and she she's like, okay, well, Teresa's acting like this because she can never apologize. And, like, Jackie, this was wrong that Teresa did this rumor at Jackie's husband's party. Like, she's kind of the peacemaker of the group. Mm-hmm. And she gets along with it seemingly everyone besides Jennifer. Now, it's also Mm -hmm. interesting to see Jennifer with her parents because she had this idea of what her parents' marriage was like, and it wasn't what her parents' marriage was like, at least according to her mom. And so it's interesting. You only know of your parents what they present to you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know all the ins and outs and struggles with their marriage because you're a kid and they if they have boundaries with you, don't tell you everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's okay, and that's a good thing. Yeah, completely but normal. I think her mom repressed so much for so long, and it's just all coming out, and I just feel so bad for her mom. Yeah, it's it's definitely rough to see, and just for Jennifer to have to be literally in the middle of that, because it's like, right. okay, her parents are older, she has to be a caretaker, and like but also play referee now and she's the child and it's like, she's parenting her parents in a way like Mm -hmm. that's a lot. So it's like when she, this episode, when she had that um, argument with Marge and she's like, I'm just like trying to live my life and get a break. Like I kind of felt for her. Do I agree with all her actions all the time? No, but I did like seeing that vulnerable side of her and I felt for her. Oh, I totally feel for her. I Her mom needs very serious therapy for yeah. what I mean, she was a child bride. She was taken mm-hmm. from her family at age 16, and then taken from her country. And she had no decision in that matter. And then was forced to have like all these children and, and everything. And she did, really didn't have any agency over her life. And now that she's older, it's she's like resentful, obviously, and the trauma is like coming back. And I don't know how much COVID had to do with anything, but it seems like her parents' problems have gotten worse. And I wonder if when you're just stuck at home with that person, it that'll like do it. it that'll do it, you know. And she's like, I resent you. I can't leave my house. I can't see anyone else, you know. And and oh. yeah, yeah. That I love the Aidens on screen. I think they're such a beautiful family. I mean, yeah, does Jennifer spoil her kids? A thousand percent. But I think they all have such cute little person out like Olivia. Oh, a star. A star. Like, they're Michael Kors. I'm like, yes, they are, Olivia. <laughs> like, you deserve them, babe. That's just to see that, especially because we all know how kids are and like kids can be ruthless. So the fact that she is so unaffected, like going on TV does not care what anyone thinks of her, like is able to rock and shine like the star she is like at that age, I feel like I might've been a little bit scared. Like what are my classmates going to say about me? Like, what are people going to think of me? But she is just, she's amazing. I know. I absolutely loved it. She's so cute wearing that red lipstick and that blue outfit. She's just, we all need to have a lesson in confidence from Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. She, oh my God, we need to see more of her. (laughs) It was so fun. I also loved the scene with Gabriella. Is that, or what's her name? 
Gabriella. Yeah. Where she's talking to Gabriella about, okay, you witnessed this argument between my parents, your grandparents. And, you know, let's talk through that, how that felt. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Gabriella was like, it was tough, but at least it's not my parents. You know, you guys don't do that. And just explaining, you know, the different times and different situations. It was a really, you could see Jennifer's a really good mother. And yes, you know, talking to her child in an age-appropriate way about a really complicated Mm -hmm. subject, I was very impressed. Same here. I think that Jennifer, as, like, the seasons go on, she definitely grows a bit more. She might not be everyone's favorite, but, like, we have to give her credit where credit's due. Totally. That tea. Now, that tea was so hard. It broke my heart. Like, yeah. I so it was fun to see everyone, right? It was fun to see mm-hmm. all the moms and daughters. They all have like different types of mother-daughter relationships, but they're all so <laughs> yeah. lucky to have their moms in their lives living nearby, you mm-hmm. know? Um but to see Teresa, it's such an uncomfortable situation because you're happy for your friends that they have their moms, but you're so jealous and you're so mm-hmm. frustrated. I, I lost my mom over five years ago, and it's like, oh, it's so unfair to, to see your yeah. friends with their moms aging and their moms get to see the grandkids and their moms. Yeah. You have such a more, I mean, if you have a healthy relationship with your mother, mm-hmm. it gets better as you get older. Because Mm -hmm. you start to relate over things that adult things and you become you form a friendship. It's not just your mom. It's, you know, I my favorite thing was like my mom opening up to me about her friend group and drama with them. And I loved hearing that because that's something she would never tell me when I was younger. I wouldn't know Mm -hmm. most of that stuff. And as we got older, actually, (laughs) this is so funny. So I'm still friends with all my mom's friends. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, we, we like Aww. play Mahjong online and over Zoom. Oh, that's so cute. That's <laughs> like, so beautiful. Like multiple groups, including like the yeah. group like in Minneapolis, the group in Florida, because she lived between both states. Aww. And her best friend, it was like, I forgot how many months after my mom died, she texted me and she was like, oh, there's something I, I want to tell your mom. And she's not here. And I was like, I'll call you. Like, tell me. And I thought it was, like, going to be something meaningful. And she's like, your mom was the only person I could talk to this about. But, like, Sue got the worst highlights. I think she thinks she's, like, 30. And, like, we're in our 60s. It's just so inappropriate. It looked so terrible. They were, like, practically orange. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so funny. You and my mom used to, like, you know, talk shit about your other friends, but you wouldn't do it to the other friends. You would only do it with each other. It was just like, she's like, I could only say these like catty things to That's your mom because like she would never tell anyone and I wouldn't tell anyone what she said. But now yeah. I don't know who to say it to. So I was like, you can always call me. <laughs> That's so freaking cute. Yeah, it's amazing how like the little things, like your relationship with your parents evolve. And I'm so sorry you don't have your mom around. Like my yeah. heart, like I was tearing up when you said that, like my heart breaks. Um, my mom's across the country from me now. And I was, I was telling you earlier, today is my best friend's shower. Yeah. And my mom's been really insecure about her eyebrows because they're like super sparse. So <laughs> she like went to the store. I was like, we got to get you get microbladed. Like when I'm in town, we'll go. Um, so she went to the store and she brought a brow pen and I sent her a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> I'm like, 
like, look at your brows right for Alyssa's shower. Don't worry. It's so funny the things that you like do with your parents as they get like as you get older. So yeah. my dad is he has some lines on his forehead and he wanted to find some sort of anti-wrinkle cream. And I was like, Aww. Dad, you're past that point. You have to get Botox if you want to get rid of them. And he just won't. He yeah. won't. And <laughs> so when he started online dating, he had this like really nice headshot from his work. Mm-hmm. So he sent it to me and he was like, can you do whatever the kids do to get rid of my wrinkles? So oh I <laughs> I edited it, sent it back to him. And then he's like, do you think this is false advertising to put this on a dating website? And I was like, no, dad, you look the same. There's just like no wrinkles. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the most precious thing I've ever heard. Yeah. How's it been going? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. Yeah, I made his dating profile because... When he wrote it, you couldn't tell he had a sense of humor at all. Oh, God. And <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. So he met someone on, and yeah, they're married now. Oh, my God. I love that. I have yeah, chills. They're so, so precious. So I have a stepmom now, which is great. And she never had kids. So she's like very excited about being able to have stepchildren, oh. you know, and respects the the dynamic that like she's not yes. my mom and she's not trying to be my mom, but she'll do the yeah. nicest things. Like um, they sold the house that my parents had um, mm-hmm. when he, he moved in with her and she went through everything. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't have time to go through everything. She went through everything and she kept so many things. That I was like, Oh, we don't need to keep that. But she went and she kept things and randomly she'll send me stuff like this vase that my mom had or this like beautiful bowl. And she was like, oh, my God, this seems like so like you. I bet your mom would have wanted you to have this. And like, it's so nice. And she'll send it like when I'm having a rough week. It's really sweet. Oh, my God. I love a happy ending. That's so cute. It's a very happy ending. It's really she's a very nice woman. Oh, so, good. Yeah. Aww. My dad very much lucked out. But the story is when they were first dating. Actually, I did an episode. I think it was maybe like 102, episode 102, if you want to go back. They yes. where I like chat with both of them and they talk about like the online dating and, you know, how like they both presented themselves and like multiple communication issues that they had in the beginning were like <laughs> <laughs> things my dad said. Like apparently he told her he was a hoarder. Oh my god! But no, oh, he, he's not. <laughs> she like was super freaked out by it, and then That's she hysterical. went to she went to our house and was like, "It's completely clean. What are you talking about?" And he's like, "I've kept like every tax document since like <sighs> ni- since like nineteen eighty. Like he has oh like boxes and like files of paperwork, but everything's perfectly filed. He just right. like didn't get rid of any of it." <laughs> Right. That's hysterical. She was like, can I explain to you what a hoarder is? Oh, my. Yeah, I got to listen to that. I'm like team dad and stepmom. Oh, my God. They're very cute. I need to have them on again in a few weeks. Yes, they can give me some dating advice. Yeah, he's got great dating advice. He really does because he had never dated. He just like met my mom and they got married. And yeah. It was like going into, I mean, he went on so many dates before he ended up with my stepmom, you know, mm. all these different women. He would, he'd be like, so we're going to go see a play. Cause like, even if we don't like each other, at least I'll have seen a play. <laughs> That's so cute. That's a really good mindset. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It takes a lot, you know, to yeah. go and date again in your sixties when yeah. you just, you have no idea like what to do or how to be. Yeah. So 
It's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I love like the relationship you have with your parents as you get older. So I miss that, you know, I only got so many years of that with my mom. But to see mm-hmm. Teresa in tears, I know that feeling. I know that like it's it's grief sneaking up on you and it's physical. Mm-hmm. Like I could yeah. tell she felt physically ill and needed yes. to leave. And it's it's hard to explain how it feels in your body, but it manifests at different ways and different times. And you don't always know. You may think you'll be okay. And then it'll just creep up, you know, while you're mm-hmm. watching. Like, for me, it was like I was on a plane watching – what's that movie um, with the ABBA songs? Oh, Mamma Mia? Mamma Mia 2. Okay. Right? Or yeah. no, no, mm-hmm. no, regular Mamma Mia, the first Mamma Mia, where it's okay. the mother-daughter, and she's, like, holding the daughter, and yeah. the daughter's getting married. And I'm weeping, weeping watching this. The flight attendant comes to check on me. Probably thinks that I'm like watching some really sad movie. And it's like, Aww. it was like a scene where it was like Pierce Brosnan singing. And I'm like, <laughs> I, know what think you're I'm I know nuts. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you probably think I'm crying over Pierce Brosnan's voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so bad. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but it was just the mother daughter. You just never know. So my heart goes out to Teresa, I think. Yeah. And Melissa's mom. I love that moment that she had consoling Teresa because obviously Melissa and Teresa did not have the best relationship. And that's obviously like Melissa's mom. It's her daughter. And she knows how Teresa treated her badly in the past. So for her to put that aside and just be like, I'm here for you in this moment, like that was really beautiful to watch. Yeah. And she knew Teresa's mom and very much liked Teresa's mom. So It's also nice to see people that knew your parent, you know, and like honor that. Mm -hmm. But it was cute. One thing that stood out to me was Jackie. So Mm -hmm. they were sitting around talking and she made this sort of offhanded comment about (laughs) blowjobs and and about how even the nice boys, they all want them in like the backseat of a car or something like related to like high school. And that was the first time it clicked to me. Oh my God, she probably has some sort of sexual trauma and that's why she doesn't do it. So for whatever reason, everyone's always making fun of it on the show about, oh, Jackie doesn't give her husband blowjobs. Jackie doesn't like oral sex. It's like, can you stop? Like usually when someone doesn't do something, it's because of a reason And it's not for you to keep poking or to be the punchline of every joke. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I had the same feelings as you did watching that. And it's just, I feel like with Jackie, I'm not the biggest fan of Jackie, but I honor that she's been through a lot. But I feel like she opens up at her own pace. So maybe if we, like, I still think there's very much a shield over her and she's very calculated in what she talks about and how she speaks about it. And in time, I think she, if she is more comfortable about getting real about certain things, like that could change my whole view of her as a housewife. Yeah, I do want to see her open up more. The way that she talked about eating disorders, I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But it'd be interesting for her to talk about how she's handling it now as someone who's like in recovery. It's a constant battle. You constantly see her 
wanting to control her food, which is hard when you go on trips, right? And Or when you go to someone's house and they offer you a meal and she's like, I already ate. Like she wants to control what she eats when she eats it. And mm-hmm. being able to like articulate that and explain that, I think is interesting. I'd be more interested to hear how you navigate the difficult world of people always offering you food constantly, like in this space, um, you know, going to people's houses, going on vacation, going to restaurants, like how do you navigate that and still feel like you're in control and still get enough calories so that your body functions don't stop? Especially in Jersey, because like, I don't care if you're Italian, you're Jewish, you're Turkish, like everyone is throwing food at you at all times. Like you come to my house, like we've got antipasta on the table and that's just the first course. So it's so interesting to see like this food culture I grew up with and someone having to really navigate that, like that's difficult. Right. It's food is like thrown on you and it's a sign of disrespect not to take something oh yeah right oh yeah every like I feel like every holiday like my mom's like did you try my like and it's like you don't like beware right (laughs) and it's hard when you're trying to limit your intake for whatever reason you don't want to offend anyone Mm mm-hmm or if you don't like something oh there's certain foods I just don't eat and I'm, sorry, listen, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but at least that like is a reason. You're like, I, because I'm a vegetarian, I'm not going to eat that piece of meat. There's just certain foods that I won't eat because I think they're gross. It happens. And I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> no. That's such a, it's such an old school like way of thinking. It truly right. is. It truly is. It was fun, though, seeing all of them together. And I don't know why they had to do that to be continued thing, though, because they made it seem more dramatic. And there was no real drama. It was just Teresa's like, I need to remove myself from the situation. And everyone was like, Mm -hmm. we understand. Yeah, it's almost exploity in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think next week is the season finale. Yeah, do we okay, so is next week's season finale a Dallas cheer? Like are we just getting a bunch of finales at we once? Are. I feel like a lot of housewives are coming to an end, like franchises, and a lot are starting up, right? Because we're gonna get yeah. New York in a couple weeks, then we're gonna get Beverly Hills a couple weeks after that. At some yeah. point we're getting Potomac. So mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yeah. so ready for I feel Potomac. like COVID like put a dent in all the filming schedules, but like we're picking back up. <laughs> I lo- I've said this like probably five times on the podcast, but I am obsessed with Jersey filming over the summer. I want them to always film over the yes. summer. Yeah, because you get the Jersey Shore. Like, I love when they go to the Jersey Shore. Like, that's just the it's best. It's pretty. I didn't know it was pretty. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like trashy. Oh, no, it's great. Like, forget everything you saw on MTV. Like, there are right. a bunch of real gems. Like, I'll give you all the places to go. Yeah, I think, you know, East Coast beaches are not as beautiful as West Coast beaches. It's like For a sure. given. But um, the water is water you can get in. It's usually too mm-hmm. cold on the West Coast and the Atlantic's mm-hmm. warmer. And there's some beautiful things. And I love seeing the boats and I don't know, and seeing them with like, nice manicured lawns and pools in their backyard rather than yeah. just like a tree with no leaves which is like mm-hmm. what I think of and like the interstate I was like I don't need all these like pictures of like the interstate and like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, no. lack of foliage like I'm not interested in seeing the landscape of Jersey but in the summer it's pretty 
Yes, it is very pretty. Um, and they go to like all these cool, like I knew all the spots. I'm like, oh my God, Martell's Water's Edge, you know that. Like, it's just, it's cool to say. That's why I love the Real Housewives of Potomac because they film in DC a lot. Oh, nice. And then all the areas around I'm familiar with. So it's, it's really, really fun. And I think it's a pretty That's place cool. too. Yes, I've only been to DC uh, once and I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a nice city. It's pretty. Yeah. It's got a lot of trees, got a lot of beautiful buildings. But yeah. there is a cool like restaurant culture that I don't think used to be around maybe multiple decades ago that has like been popping up more. And mm-hmm. it's fun to see that. Yeah. Um, and I went during the Cherry Blossom Festival. Oh, so it was really yes. cool. It's beautiful during Cherry Blossoms. Yeah. Oh, man. But if you have allergies, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, which I do. But that's where I'm like sucking. I'm like, it's so nice. We'll take that Allegra D. And I did. They have <laughs> runs around the tidal base. They have like, you know, a 10, 10 mile run and they have like a 5K. And I think I did the 5K one year and I had Damn. so much like pollen in my van. Oh no! My eyes were so swollen by the end. That's terrible. I can't do this. And like you're just running, and the wind's hitting you, and it's crying because yeah, nose running. Like oh my, you just feel like a snot, like just a whole snot. I was like rubbing my eyes. One of my contacts came out. I was like, how am I gonna? No, do you know I lost a contact? I was in Disney a couple of weeks ago, and I lost a contact on the rock and roller coaster. Oh my gosh. Because what it, that thing launches you, right? And obviously we have to wear masks now. And mine came down. And I'm like, I need to pull this up. And I pulled it up and my one finger went blink. And the contact flew out. And thank God I wear dailies. What do you do? Yeah. I wear dailies. And we were staying at the Dolphin, which is in, like, you could just hop on a boat and go. And I said to my okay. parents, I was like, I need to fix this because I am so blind. Like, this size a 950. This one's like an eight. I have astigmatism in one eye. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is terrible. And I'm like walking around and I'm like, I cannot see. Oh, my <laughs> like, gosh. So do people go to Disney a lot in California? I feel like everyone I know in California goes to Disney and talks about yes. it. And they're like, yeah, it's like fun. Yeah. It's whatever. The Disney culture here is definitely all local. So there are pros and cons to each, like Disneyland and Disney World. Like Disney World is like the true vacation. Like you're going to go and you're going to spend a week there and still not have done anything. Before I moved out here, we made like the quote mistake of giving Disney like four days. Like you really don't need four days to do Disneyland. You'll do all of it and then some. Disneyland is literally like all the locals come. If you go, I say go on a Sunday. It's packed during the day, but it's six everyone's got to go to work the next day the kids have to go to school the park clears out you'll get everything done um it's just it's amazing we went for my birthday this year the park wasn't open it opens in six days but um downtown disney was open and then california adventure was open for shops and pictures and it was like cute it was just nice everyone was like welcome back everything was super clean they're doing a really good job. Like they are enforcing things. Like if you have your mask lowered, even in Florida, if you had your mask lowered for a second, I saw people like pop out and yell at other people. And I was like, yes, like good, enforce that stuff. Like, so I love it. And Disney, yeah, Disneyland, they're doing so much to just keep it open. Cause we've had it like LA has had LA, it yeah. I know, um, but you're so doing I'm pretty happy well now. To see their 
yes, knock on wood, thank God, like everyone's getting vaccinated, everyone's being respectful. I got to go to one of my favorite bars last night for the first time since the start of the pandemic and they're being worried about everything. So I really, it's like, it's so nice to see the city bounce back because it's such a, it's a good city. Like the strength of this city is phenomenal. Like phenomenal, phenomenal. (laughs) Even like when freaking like, Kobe Bryant died like the power of this city like mm-hmm. came it was unlike anything I'd ever seen and I was still fairly new when he passed um to the city and like everyone just came together I mean murals were being painted bosses were saying R.I.P. Kobe like LA strong is a thing yeah well I'm definitely gonna make my way out to LA in the next year and I will let you know when I do yeah Please do. Like, I feel like we got to do like brunch shopping, like the whole nine. Like, yeah. I got to get you to the Beverly Hills Hotel so you can get your pink and your palm print pictures. Like, <laughs> do love- it up. <laughs> I love that. I want to see like where Kim Richards exactly was arrested. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> okay, Diana, tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. So on Instagram and TikTok at Diana Jebbia, G-E-B-B-I-A. And then also you can listen to my new podcast. It's Believe in Bravo Besties, Believe B-L-E-A-V, because the networks believe. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you're starting this. It's so fun. Yeah, we got to get you on, girl. Definitely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on and for recapping this entire week in Bravo. Of course. My pleasure. You're such a doll. (laughs) You are too. We'll talk soon. (laughs) 